0: Welcome to the Emmanuel Youth Podcast, an attempt by me, Sarah, to try something new. We will be listening to different voices, hearing new ideas, and exploring life and faith in 2021. Welcome. You ready? Hello everyone and welcome to the Emmanuel Youth Podcast. Uh, today we have with us Alex and we're going to be talking about racial justice. And Alex is going to lend us his thoughts on this topic. So Alex, welcome to the Emmanuel Youth Podcast. This is your first time on. Applause. Oh, it
1: <laughs> <laughs> feels weird being a guest for something where I'm like, I guess uh, when, when you do something when we're part of a team
0: yeah i know it's unusual for us to not do things together right <laughs> perhaps we'll do one later where i can be the guest and you can be the host and then we'll be yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so alex obviously we have as a world as a nation as a church we've been having conversations about race a lot in the last kind of 12 months um and last year you even did a talk at a gathering service um, on this topic uh, shortly after the kind of George Floyd protests. So we wanted to talk a little bit about um, you and your life and your experience. Um, So could you tell us just a little bit about your upbringing? What was it like? Where was it based? Those kind of things.
1: Um, Yeah, so I grew up in north london um so growing up it was me my mum, my sister um came to this country in the 90 early 90s uh, early mid 90s um from tanzania and eventually had me and like 10 years later had my sister and um yeah, so like growing up in London, where it's very diverse um, and multicultural, like you know, like it's it's harder to experience. Like I guess, for for me at least, it was, I didn't really experience much racism that I got, that I noticed um, when like you have less, I guess. Um, uh, Let's like a, you don't have an homogenous group like there's multiple people um and people grow up with everyone else around them whereas let's say you move out to here and it's like 90 odd percent um white and there's like when you go into schools and it's like you get maybe one or two three if you're lucky like people from different races in per year group um yeah like um i mean possibly there were things that went on but as a kid you don't really you don't really know anything um and like i guess like even then through secondary school um that was pretty much the same um until until i moved on to sixth form um so i went to a school outside london as a boarding school and since it was outside London, um like the diversity changed. Um and that was particularly obvious in my year. me and my my friends and I had a well we joked that we were the final four in our year group as in like the only four black guys to finish um in year 13. Whereas some people would have like left at the end of GTSC to go to other schools. Um and then yeah, so then that's probably when I'd say I started to notice, like, like I say, like racism happening. Um, so like, like different incidences with other students. Um, I'm pretty sure there's like at least one incident with a teacher, um, and and then it only becomes more prevalent as you get older, as you become uh, more attuned to the things that are going on in the world. Um so like people's language towards you. Um I guess but like people can yeah people can be very foul mouthed if they don't like you just because you're not white. Um and like even people's changing in behavior. Um so I remember like this will happen a lot at uni. Um so, I went to Union Canterbury, um, probably probably a similar makeup to Guildford, I'd imagine. Um, so, you'd notice things like people crossing the road when you're walking towards them, people gripping their handbags tighter as you walk past them, that kind of like small little hint, small little things that if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't really notice. Um, and I guess, like, even even now, like I mentioned, well, not so much now because we're still in lockdown, but like um, even before, I mentioned it in my sermon, like when I'm locking up, when I'm like, when I'm locking up um, church after youth club, um, I'm just like particularly cautious um, just in case someone thinks it's night time and I'm in, I'm like around the building late. Just um, In my head, it kind of does, I do kind of think people. Some might be watching me, thinking that I'm trying to break in or something. Um, and even just walking around, like, the, like I like to wear my hood up. Like just walking around, start and move my hood up. Like it does. Like you, you're just more aware of how people respond. And I, I get. And those are like on the smaller scale of things.
0: Um, so, do you think those kind of things? that you've experienced as you've you've talked about experiencing them as you've grown into adulthood have they had an impact on your on your kind of mental health or your self-image or how you how you think about yourself or how you handle yourself
1: I'd say I've been very lucky in that I've never really questioned like my self-worth or my identity um but that's just because I've been fortunate enough to have been like, I guess I mean, I've been fortunate enough to, and fortunate enough to feel confident in myself. Um, whereas some people don't have that same um, privilege and fortune. Whereas those can start to eat at them and start make them start to question themselves. Like, and I guess even though it has had an effect on like how I probably how I portray myself um so there's a term called code switching which is where you change the way you present yourself in certain spaces so whereas if i was around like a group of other black people i'd be totally different to how i was around um like white people i'd possibly be and i would talk differently i'd I just, like, present myself physically differently um, just because people do feel, some people might feel threatened by the way the way I, the way I stand, the way I talk, that kind of thing. Um, so just having to sort of suppress yourself in order to navigate different spaces. Um, and then, like, I guess it might not have had an effect, but I can... Probably recall since I was a teenager more or less any like nearly every racist incident that I have been through. Um, so like they do stick with you, you remember
0: them, they stick with you,
1: yeah. So, I mean, that probably has had some sort of effect. Um, but yeah, like you, you remember, you can remember, well, I can remember, like, pretty much. Each incident.
0: Mm.
1: Um, what effect has been that about?
0: So, you talked about the adjustment going from where you live in North London to um, sick form and then university. And you've now worked here at Emmanuel for the last, we're coming up on almost three years now. Yeah. And before that, you did a placement at another church, both areas that perhaps are not. Known for being hugely diverse, how has that been?
1: Um, so I guess having gone through sixth form and uni in the places that I went to, um, sort of, I guess, it helped. Um, because it's like I don't have to start making the adjustment now, I've already gone through it. Um, but it is sort of. It's it's weird. So, like, I can remember back when I was an intern. Um, like, a moment that will stick with me was I was in a primary school helping out with the year sixes, um, and we were walking through the playground, and it was one of the younger years' break time, and uh, this boy came up to me, probably about five years old, um, and like all he said was like, "You have the same hair as me." It was another. Young black boy, and it's kind of like this guy is probably one of two or three black people in like this village town of like five thousand people, um, mm. and like just to see like I guess a familiar face, um, like it, called, it like it causes like some sort of intrigue, and probably like it probably make him feel like a bit more at home, like because he would have seen me around the school more often. Um and he did, so like to the point where every time he saw me like wave hello and that kind of thing. And I guess growing up in London it is still weird that places can be so like undiverse, if that's a word. Um, and like I guess you 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 eventually get used to it. Um, there's like there'll be times where you notice it more than others um like particularly let's say it's a zoom call and you notice all of the faces um where i don't know it just doesn't feel as prevalent i don't know that might be a personal thing but it doesn't feel as obvious when you're just in person going through um whatever session you have planned Um, Hmm. and then i guess because guildford is such a middle class place so you also notice like differences in attitude um, like to do with like I guess entitlement might be the word but um but then that then goes on to like the differences between like working class and middle class people um, where do you see like, how does it affect you and I, I guess just in like the smaller everyday things um so going back to food not being able to buy certain foods um because you don't have a black person there to run a shop that would sell what you might be looking for or one that affects me a lot not having a not having a barber that i can go to um and having to travel back to london to get my hair cut um, yeah. but those are like on the smaller more inconvenient side of things um
0: I know but this speaks deeply to the place that you choose to make home
1: yeah
0: like it adds a challenge to trying to make somewhere home if you can't even get your hair cut what does that say about the area
1: yeah and that that would save me a lot of money if i could just go down the road and get a 10 pound haircut as opposed to having to spend an extra like 20 odd quid just to get my just to get um just to
0: go to a barber yeah um So rewinding back for a moment to the talk you gave last year. You spoke from Acts uh, chapter 10, where Peter, who was a Jewish follower of Jesus, receives a dream from God which challenges his view that there are clean and unclean people. And it kind of opens his eyes to the idea that God wants to reach everyone. Um, And so Peter ends up going to the home of this Roman centurion, And in his home, speaking to him and his family, he says, you know, it's against Jewish law um, for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure um, or unclean. And Peter then goes on to experience the great joy of seeing this man and all his friends and all his family become Christians. So what made you think of that passage? Why? Why was that the passage you chose?
1: So I stumbled across the passage um, when I was I, think I was scrolling through Instagram um, and someone briefly mentioned it. And that was before I even had the idea to do um, the sermon on um, racial injustice. So then when the time came for me to pick a topic um, and then pick the verse, I was like, oh, this this verse happened to pop up to me a couple of weeks ago it feels fitting because it tackles um this basically this, a similar issue um just in a different scope um so i was like okay i can use i can work for this and i can apply some of the things that we get from the passage into our lives today one of the things that peter has um he has a lot of these prejudices that he has against other people, um, and he sort of falls into. The, it's always been like this. What what's, um, What difference does it make if I don't go and hear this person's house? Um, and that you do see that in today's culture. It's like, oh, I've always. There's always been this history where, oh, I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of some sort of preconceived belief that people have like thinking that like there was a poll recently where british people were asked um their perceptions of i guess their perceptions of black people and how i think it was like a quarter um believed that black people were just inherently lazy or something like something along those lines um
0: Alex is referencing a study by researchers at King's College London about the uh, widening income gap uh, between uh, different ethnicities and different social classes due to um, unemployment during COVID times. Um, And they found that one in eight Brightons, which is 13 percent, think that black people are more likely to be unemployed and have lower incomes because they lack motivation or willpower. But when you survey certain groups in the population, that number will rise to one in five.
1: And I guess God then challenges Peter's thoughts. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna use that to challenge the way people that'll be hearing this think about their own prejudices. And I know later on in the sermon, later on in the sermon, I didn't get people to think about what are some of the prejudices and things like that that they hold within themselves like this is your chance to try and challenge yourself this is me challenging you um and then trying to see how even a problem that's been around for thousands hundreds of years is still relevant today even if it is in a totally different context
0: okay so when you talk about that passage um, some of the things that you speak about are the way that so one of the things that you speak about is the way that Peter is forced to wrestle with his own assumptions and with his own prejudices. And he has to do the hard work that it is to to change and to challenge those things he had previously held to be true. And one of the things I thought you spoke about quite powerfully was how the onus was on Peter to change his perceptions, right?
1: Yeah, so God knows the problem is with Peter, so he deals with Peter, whereas a lot of what I've seen um, like today with like discussions around race and stuff is people putting the onus on the people that are being abused um, to change the things that are causing them to be abused, which with race as a possibility. Um, so then starts to get into talks so like who is responsible? Well, as with this passage, the responsibility would all, should always lie on the person that is the one causing the issue.
0: Yeah. Um, so when you think about those attitudes, and perhaps changes you would like to see. Could you talk a bit on what what changes you would like to happen?
1: Yeah. So I guess you can sort of look at it from two different levels, different scales. So you can look at it from like a personal point of view, like how does the everyday person what can they what can they do to help change things? And then you look at it on a larger scale, like, okay, how can the people in charge do things to make a change. Um, so I guess starting from the t- um, from the top um, with the people in charge. I guess like government, like a change in how they operate or what they prioritize um, would would be a really great start. Um, like we've seen a lot of misuse of power and corruption. Um, within our own government and a lot of that coming um, has a lot of that has an effect depending on where your race is. So like with COVID for an example, um because uh, ethnic minorities tend to live in um like places with higher levels of poverty, they've been greater they've been greater affected by COVID and like people, um, ethnic minorities working in like the NHS or sort of the jobs, like the key workers, like the jobs that people have to go to in case just because the country needs to function, a lot of those that have greatly, greatly have have a great number of ethnic minorities. So, like you think of public transport, um, NHS, as I mentioned, like people have to go to those jobs to help keep the country running, which then puts them. And it even further risks because they can't afford to not go to work because they would normally be on like a lower income or something. Um, so then, what what would the, what do the government do about that? And how can they change that? I mean, there's many ways that they probably could. Um, I guess a higher a higher living wage <laughs> would be a great start. Um, but I guess. Um, and then, uh, yeah, also just a change in attitude. So, like, we've had for the past 10 plus years, um, government that has really failed on a lot of race issues. Um, so, you think of like Theresa May, who was Home Secretary and then Prime Minister. And while she was in charge, there were a lot of British citizens that were being deported because their paperwork wasn't uh, was destroyed and wasn't stored properly, which then led to them not being well not being British citizens and getting sent back to the Caribbeans. So yeah, just getting government to reprioritize things and putting in place like different, I guess. Different policies, or increasing, helping to increase the or decrease the level of poverty. Um, just so, like you'd think, as a government, you'd want your country to have no poverty at all. But, um, but I guess yeah, that's the failings of our government. Um, and then I guess another one is like companies, sort of giving out tokenistic gestures that mean nothing. So you see it. Where, but you see it particularly like when companies might capitalize off of tragedy. So, whenever they, like whenever a company they would like print some sort of clothing with a message in support of whatever, and it's like they're only redoing really it because it doesn't affect their bottom line. It's something they can profit off.
0: And you said, um, you know, you wanted to think on two levels as well. So, as yeah. well as the kind of national government, corporation kind of level of challenge, what changes would you like to see on more of perhaps a local church kind of level or a personal kind of level?
1: Um, well, I guess the most obvious thing would be <laughs> don't be racist yourself. Um, like good that helps.
0: Always good to live yeah. right there, don't be racist. Yeah.
1: I mean it, it, it might sound it might sound silly and very obvious, but it, it can go a long way if you take care of the things that you have control of. Um and it just it just makes life easier for everyone if you're not having to walk out your front door to deal with X amount of racist incidences. Um so that would be advice number one. Um I guess. Next note of advice would be to call it out when you see it. Um like don't let don't just let it don't just let it happen in front of you. Um but let's say like the person let's say you see an act of racism, um like the person that could be experiencing it, experiencing it. Definitely they, they didn't leave their house to be abused. Um and it's like it, it catches you off guard, like you might be might be someone that's able to handle yourself but let's say it's like a teenager and they're getting abused from a 30 40 50 year old they're not they're not gonna know what to do in that situation so if you can help someone then do it
0: I guess um I'd be interested to hear your thoughts because I think a lot of people feel like they wouldn't know what to say or what to do in those circumstances they're worried about perhaps doing or saying the wrong thing they don't want to speak over somebody else's voice or somebody else's right to stand up for themselves do you have any advice but like if you were in a situation where you saw some racist abuse what like I know obviously it's hard to give advice when you don't know the specifics of the situation but do you have any advice to somebody who would want to step in but they're just not sure what to do
1: um, so I guess it depends on who you are, as as a person. Like, if you don't mind being <laughs> confrontational, um, then just like step in and say something, and they're gonna have a much harder time shouting at two people <laughs> than they are with one. And even if it doesn't go according to plan, at least that at least the person knows that you someone was there to support them. Mm. Um, like, often, you if you are being racially abused, you might it might feel like, okay, I'm alone in this situation where this stranger, or maybe not even stranger, but this person is having a go at me for literally no other reason than because I look different to them. I, I guess another way could be, I mean, this is a youth podcast. <laughs> if you're in school, you, you can just report it. Mm. Like, even I say, like, even after the fact, you might maybe you don't feel comfortable doing something in a moment, just going to teacher, head teacher, whatever, and saying this happened whilst we're in class or in the playground or whatever. What, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And that will, yeah, that means that they might not, nothing might have happened at the time, but they can still, there can still be some sort of action taken.
0: And I think especially in school situations as well, sometimes you overhear something and you're not entirely certain about what you overheard. Like you think you know what you heard, but you're not certain. And I guess in those circumstances as well, we would encourage you to report it to a teacher. You can say, I'm not 100 percent, but I think this is what I overheard. And the teacher can then follow up with with those young people involved. Um, you know, you're not going to get in trouble if it turns out you were wrong, better to have checked than not. Because the person being abused is going to think everybody else can hear this and nobody's saying anything to it. So what would you say we as Christians, we as churches or we as Christians could learn from what you're telling us? Because I'm sure people listening would like to respond as they hear some of the challenges that you have kind of faced what things can we do to be open and welcoming to create safe spaces where everybody will feel like they belong?
1: Um, so I guess like one thing you could do is be willing to learn about different people's cultures. Um, because like that shows you're trying to make some sort of an effort um, um, the picture, like people having pictures up of like white Jesus or white biblical characters, and like making sure you have things that are accurate to where that place would be. Um, and like just little things like that. I know um, our children's work is particularly good at that. And then also going back to then about people's cultures, like if you obviously, if you don't know what's wrong, it's going to be a lot easier for you to make a mistake and alienate someone out of your group. It's like playing around with their hair and stuff like that. Um, And yeah, so like things like that. And there's like countless other things that people do that could be wrong. Like learning how to pronounce people's names properly is always a good start. Um, And like not trying to give them a nickname just because you don't want to make an effort to actually pronounce their their name, or the name that they go by. So, yeah, learning about them.
0: So, in the past year, there's been a lot of conversation around race and ethnicity um, and uh, institutional racism. How do you respond spiritually to some of these? These just sad realities that we're dealing with. These horrible stories that we're having of people whose lives have been cut short. Kind of the anger or the political discourse. It's such a big topic area, but but could you share with us as much as is possible, how do you, how do you personally respond to that as a Christian?
1: Um, so I guess I might be on the more slightly optimistic side of things, um, because as a Christian, there's a hope that one day that um, all of the mm-hmm. suffering Um, come to an end and all the issues that we have here won't be um, won't be a problem so that's sort of looking forward um, to if not whenever it is Um, and so yeah just having hope that one day I would say one day it will will end but that that sounds um, (laughs) that sounds darker than it is but it's like one day everything that's wrong Will end, and that is like hope. That is enough hope to keep, like me personally, going. Um, and then, I guess it—it's very, like, very frustrating because it, it feels like the same—the same cycle happens over and over again. Um, so, like, I don't remember when I—I remember when I was at uni, and there were the Ferguson riots. And it was like the same sort of situation It was like a um, black guy dies in police custody. They use an illegal strangle, um, illegal chokehold on him. He dies. Police officers are acquitted. Nothing really comes of it. Then we have the protests. And then it, it just felt like we're just repeating ourselves because it happens over and over again um yeah you you get tired because you're you see it all the time and like it does come to a point where you do start to become desensitized to all of it just because of how frequent like even if it's not on that extreme scale where someone is dying but just like the general attitude that people then have in response to that and I going back to how it was as a Christian, I guess it, like you you still feel frustrated because a lot of the time you also have like Christian people um being the ones on the um abusing end, or you have um Christian people defending the injustice. And it's sort of like, how can you, as a Christian, sit there and some or someone that calls themselves a Christian, how can you sit there and not just not necessarily just allow this happen, but defend it? It's like we see, like in the Bible, we see Jesus talking about injustice and calling out injustice all the time. Um, like he didn't just stand there and let it happen he would call it out so like with in John 8 there's a story of the woman um, that the these bunch of guys want to stone um, because she had allegedly been adulterous Um, and Jesus says to them that the person without the the person without sin cast the first stone and they all scramble Um, so like he didn't they happen? like how can you see this example made up before you and decide to do the opposite thing where you're not just ignoring it you're enabling it
0: absolutely uh so we're just coming towards the end now because we've been recording for a while okay alex so for people who are listening young people adults anyone who's listening how do you think they could be praying into this situation?
1: So, I guess like prayer points could be, um, I guess like a pr- um, a change of heart for well everyone really. Like people have all sorts of prejudice. Um, I guess like a more personal like level prayer could be finding out like maybe praying to find out your own. Like, what are some of your own prejudices? Like, if I can, if I can make a change myself, sure. Let me, why don't I start there?
0: Um, yeah. There's that birth, then... isn't there, you know, the uh, purify my heart.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, you know, I'm going to quote the song now rather than the verse, but, um,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, that the idea of God's fire refining us and purifying our hearts um, and, and cle- cleansing it of anything kind of unclean or unholy is a repeated idea in scripture and specifically in this psalm that I can't remember the number of at the moment.
1: And then like um going back to I guess something similar would be like, like a very I guess a short prayer, but it's a very powerful one is asking God to mm. um break break my heart for what breaks break yours. Like God doesn't want to see injustice in the world. Um, doesn't want to see hatred so like you then asking god to break your heart for what breaks god's is gonna that will help you see things differently that will let you see like just how messed up things are
0: um yeah okay now if people listening were interested in strengthening their prayers with some practical actions what kind of things could they be doing what kind of resources would you recommend what kind of places would you signpost them to for some wisdom on this topic
1: um, so there's a few things they can do. like I personally I like to I like to know I like to find out like how how can I help at like a grassroots level um so, one of the charities that I really like is a place called the Reach Out Project, and they deal with like yeah, um, young black teenagers in particular um, in like the inner city, and they think of it like Emmanuel <laughs> manual Youth, but for but like for, for teenagers in London, um, where they take them out on trips and stuff like that where they get people to come in and talk to them and they they're able to relate it to the teenagers on a personal level because they live like they grew up in similar places and that kind of thing um and but that's something that where i see and i was like oh, okay yeah, this is something that's close that that hits close to home um and like it's it looks like a great cause um i guess another thing would be social media um this is me stealing on from sarah (laughs) um there's the instagram page called everyday racism um where they highlight different topics and issues um that affect people of different races um So then their Instagram is quite flashy and it's easy to, it's in like digestible chunks. So you're not going to have to necessarily like sit through and read 300 pages, but they deliver it in a way that works for social media. Mm.
0: And what's good about them as well is they're a UK based Instagram page, Um, not a US based Instagram page. So it's more accessible for us over here.
1: And I guess like as depressing as it might be, like keep actually keeping up with the news and what's going on in like the world, because then you, re- th- then you get to see like mass scales of injustice, which can also help with you thinking of what to pray for.
0: Great. That's wonderful. Alex we want to thank you so much for coming and sharing with us today we appreciate that this is a personal topic for you and we value your willingness to open up and share with us your wisdom um, as a leader in our church um, and uh, just as somebody who's incredible to know and, and wonderful um, in his presence around all of our young people as well if you are listening uh, and you have any follow-up questions, do get in touch with us through our Instagram, which is at Emmanuel Youth. Um, if you message us on that, you get both me and Alex. So if you have any follow-up questions, that's how you can get in touch with us. Um, or of course, you can do it through our email address as well, which is youth at Thank you all so much for joining us and we will speak to you next time.